0: Hi, everybody. My name is Jamie Liu with the Brewing Bright Minds podcast. I'm here with Ms. Dom, and we have a very special guest, Ms. Natalie Waldman. It's
1: sometimes, you
0: know, each of us learn
1: in a different way. Mm-hmm. Some of us mm-hmm. are more auditory learners. Yep. We can just hear someone say something and we get it. And some of us need visuals and mm-hmm. some of us need all the things. Yeah. And so this is also a way to figure out what works for your specific child or your specific student. Yes. Mm-hmm. And just being aware that like, oh, am I only telling them? Mm-hmm. Or am I yeah. only helping them? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's huge. Could I show them? Mm-hmm. So it just gives a framework to, for us as the adult to think about how much support I do or don't need to give. So that's a great strategy for the understanding of the receptive language piece. Mm -hmm. So I think that's one that gets overlooked a lot is Mm -hmm. receptive language because it's a lot harder to see. It's that thing that happens Mm -hmm. below the soil. So I think just being aware of, is my child having difficulty following directions? When I ask them a question like, what's your name? Do they tell me their name or do they tell me how old they Mm -hmm. are? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It just gives us gauges of what our child's understanding. And that's mm-hmm. a harder piece to recognize. And so mm-hmm. oftentimes our go-to might be to assume like this child's just been disobedient or yes. they're choosing not to. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So hearing test mm-hmm. <laughs> and giving wait time. I think, Jamie, you hit the nail on the head outside of giving them time to do, to feel figure out tasks to learn new self-help skills. I think the same is true with communication. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Sometimes we're rushing to get our kids to answer things and what they need is time. So that's another great strategy for both parents and educators to use is to pause. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We ask a question and then we pause <laughs>
0: and we count in our head
1: one one thousand yes. two and you might get up to five one thousand or even longer and you think oh they yeah. don't even know what I asked them and then yeah. all of a sudden yeah they'll they, respond. Yes. they do right yes. mm-hmm. it is mm-hmm. so or sometimes huge. it
2: happens like uh I've had situations where like they answer it 20 minutes later yes. <laughs> and I'm like oh that's what we were talking about 20 minutes yes. ago but you know like you're yes. saying as the adult we're so busy and we just have so many other things that mm-hmm. we're thinking of and we feel like we don't have time to pause for five mm-hmm. seconds or 10 minutes 20 minutes later mm-hmm. they're answering the question and you go back to the conversation it's yeah. so important
1: and for that understanding piece sometimes they can't show us what they mm-hmm. understand if we don't give them time And so I think that that's really the pause. The pause Mm -hmm. with the expectant look Mm -hmm. is critical. (laughs) Like, I know you have something to say. I know it's in there. What will you tell me? So that's receptive language. Mm -hmm. When we're talking about expressive language, that's the one that most parents and educators are keyed into. Mm -hmm. That's the spoken words are what we're looking for most often. So many times when a school or a parent calls me, it's because they're worried my child doesn't seem to be speaking as much as their sibling or as their peers and I know I shouldn't I often Mm -hmm. hear I know I shouldn't compare my children but I'm noticing this Mm -hmm. and especially maybe you're maybe a parent of an only child Mm -hmm. like you don't you may not know what that development looks like so expressive language is using signs or words to um, convey meaning, and so so the difference between speech and language disorders is speech is how we pronounce sounds. So, how easy your child is to understand. As a rule of thumb, our focus when a child is under three is on building language. Mm-hmm. So, building their understanding, their receptive language, and their expressive language. They need a vocabulary. Mm-hmm. So. To use the example of traveling to a foreign country, if you're learning a new language, you may not pronounce things exactly correctly. Mm -hmm. But before you can work on the pronunciation, you kind of need to have enough words Mm -hmm. to say. So in the early years under three, we typically focus more on what a child has to say as opposed to how they say it. So once a child is three and up, then we start to focus a little bit more on how easy they are to understand of course, there's always exceptions to these rules, but as as a general rule, we expect a child to be understood at one, about 25% of the time, yeah. at two, about 50% of the time, three years of age, we're looking at 75% of the time, and by four years of age, we're looking about 90 to 100% of the time. There is some research that suggests that that's an overestimation of what children can do, Um, but we don't, it's, as a rule of thumb, these are the guidelines that we generally use and share with parents because it just a little bit simplifies Mm -hmm, when mm -hmm. to be concerned. And if your child is frustrated, it's a concern. Mm -hmm, And if mm -hmm. you're frustrated as a parent because you're not sure what your child's saying, then it's a valid concern. And if their peers aren't understanding them and it's mm-hmm. and is causing difficulty socially, then it's a concern and then there may be times where we would step in earlier to help mm-hmm. a child with a pronunciation. So pronunciation is articulation is speech sounds. They're all kind of mm-hmm. we use kind of similar terminology to describe the same thing. So we have speech and we have language. Mm-hmm. Language is understanding and expressing. And the speech is the pronunciation. Mm-hmm. And those are hopefully that, hopefully that yeah. clarifies a little bit the difference. Absolutely. Between and that's them.
2: so interesting because even for me, I mean, I've been in this field for eight mm-hmm. years and I didn't even really know that. Mm-hmm. I just kind of thought that speech was all of what, all of that you were saying mm-hmm. and you just call it, you know, speech delay or um, speech services, but then mm-hmm. there's so much more to it. Like you're saying.
1: Yeah. And it's okay. It's a natural thing. I think many parents, many Educators and people use the terms interchangeably, but technically speaking, speech is just the pronunciation and language is the words or the vocabulary. So usually when a parent says, like, my child is speech delayed, um, when it's early on, we don't know if it's because they can't pronounce it Mm -hmm. or because they don't have the vocabulary. Mm -hmm. So generally we assume that it's a vocabulary issue. We assume Mm -hmm. they need words to convey what they want to say and we'll worry about how well they do that later. Also because they're – It's a fine – it's a motor skill that requires such fine Mm. movements and precise movements of our tongue and our jaw and our lips. And that coordinated movement takes Mm -hmm. time, just like walking and running and jumping. Mm -hmm. like That takes time to develop the skills where a child is able to do Mm -hmm. it. So we don't worry too much about it typically when they're under three, that understanding piece. Mm
0: -hmm. And I love what you – how you kind of simplified it into those – parameters because then the focus that allows parents and educators to focus on before three Mm -hmm. it's about building language Mm -hmm. and we talk about that all the time in terms of our program Mm -hmm. at infancy at one at two we just want to build that Mm language those language skills those understanding skills building that word bank of Mm -hmm. vocabulary so that they at least if they don't have the articulation piece they know that is a cat they are understanding mm-hmm. you when you are saying, go, you know, go pet the the little kitty mm-hmm. or all that. Um, and they can execute it. And in that, it empowers them to, you know, understand and follow through and be more independent. And so I also love what you said about if they are frustrated, even if it's early on, maybe cognitively, they have so much, so much activity and so much they want to say and so much that they're processing, but... If they aren't able to do so, that is so frustrating. And so I think that even earlier intervention, even if it's maybe not a delay, if you're seeing Mm -hmm. frustration and communication between the family, between peers, speech can help anyone, Mm -hmm. really, Mm -hmm. because them allowing building those skills to communicate early on just sets them up for greater success in general. And if they have those frustrations, then, of course, I like how you said that that's that's a sign. That's yeah. a sign that you should seek services, whether it may come from mm-hmm. your teacher mm-hmm. or or just kind of an inkling inside yourself mm-hmm. as a parent.
1: Yeah, I think if you have a doubt or you have a concern, it's always wise to just clarify, get mm-hmm. a little bit more information. So we start with an evaluation to dig in a little bit more deeply and see kind of what we we're talking about, like where is the difficulty? Mm-hmm. So for the particular example of the client that I shared earlier, part of why that particular child wasn't communicating, had a whole host mm-hmm. of reasons that didn't even necessarily, yeah. before we even got yeah. to the, the language or the pronunciation bit. And I think um, when it comes to language, there's a lot of things that happen before first words that mm-hmm. are a lot less obvious and apparent. And so as a parent, I might be looking for those first words as mm-hmm. like the key to know. Well, first, it's exciting, right? Yeah. You want to hear them say mommy <laughs> yeah. or daddy or, you know, name their siblings. Mm-hmm. That's just exciting. So we're all really um, just waiting for that mm-hmm. to happen. But aside from that, there's many things that happen before that many people aren't aware of. So it's a little less obvious than like when you're learning to walk first, you see a child like roll over and then they get up on all mm-hmm. fours mm-hmm. and then they slowly pull themselves up. Like that's all really obvious steps towards standing and walking. When it comes to communication, it's less obvious. Mm-hmm. So some of the things that we look for. So when I work with children as young as eighteen months, so uh, generally speaking, when we're working with children who are under, you know, in in that in those younger years, under three, I often work with their families in what we call a coaching approach. Basically, what it what it means is that. Um, get together with the parents, and we talk about ways that they can support their Mm -hmm. child's communication development during everyday routines. Mm -hmm. So if you're changing your child's diaper, you know, six, eight times a day, Mm -hmm. um, you could do so quietly, or you could have some simple strategies or ways of interacting with your child that help them develop language. And so what that does is two, it's twofold. One is it's excellent for the parents because if you are worried that your child isn't communicating in the same way as other children, it can make you feel powerless. Mm -hmm. I have a lot Mm -hmm. of parents that have a lot of worry. Mm -hmm. They come to me, they're concerned, they're worried, they're not sure what to do. So giving parents strategies to use makes them feel empowered. Mm -hmm. And it's super helpful for the children because instead of seeing a therapist once Mm -hmm. a week or Mm -hmm. whatever it is, Mm -hmm. they get that support every Mm -hmm. day. That's, Six, eight times of yeah. changing a diaper and a parent changes one little way of yep. interacting and all of a sudden, huge change can happen. Mm-hmm. But um, to talk about the skills that happened before those first words, things that we're looking for and that educators and parents can be looking for are social engagement. Does your child mm-hmm. look towards you? And and that happens early. That happens before mm-hmm. when you're of age. We want to see that a child wants to connect. Do they seem to recognize familiar people? Mm-hmm. Do they seem to... Um, Want to connect? Are they noisy? Mm -hmm. So maybe they're not using words, but maybe they're babbling a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, We also want to see things like gestures. So there is a phenomenal resource called, um, I think it's called 16 by 16, and a By the first words project and they show the various gestures that we expect so 16 gestures are expected in the first 16 months of Mm -hmm. life which is why it's called 16 Mm -hmm. by 16 and so those gestures are precursors for language because before you use words you have to understand that some random assortment of sounds Mm -hmm. Mm means something Mm -hmm. just like um you know are our, our, So our children using gestures, like if I point, it means I'm trying to get your attention. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that shows us that they're on their way to using their first words. Mm-hmm. So gestures that we'd be looking for in children that are 16 months and younger are waving, mm-hmm. right? That's mm-hmm. that social connection mm-hmm. and it's a gesture. We're looking for pointing And pointing for multiple purposes, pointing because I want something, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but also pointing because look at, there's a cool airplane and I want to share mm -hmm. that with you. Mm -hmm. I have that social connection. Mm -hmm. We're looking at clapping. We're looking at raising our hands for our parents to pick us up. Those are all very powerful means of communication that happen before those first words. So oftentimes when a parent comes to me and they're concerned or a teacher, I'll say, what gestures you see this child using,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: how frequently, for what reasons are they gesturing? Is it only the same Mm -hmm. kind of couple or Mm -hmm. are they using a wide variety of gestures for a wide variety of reasons? So those are things that happen before first words are that social engagement and attention. If a child is not connecting with you, they can't take that information in. Mm -hmm. So there's a whole series of what we call pre-linguistic skills or like before Mm -hmm. first word skills that have to be in place. And Mm -hmm. so I think that's really empowering for a lot of parents Mm -hmm. and educators who are like, okay, I can look for gestures. That's something I can look for. Maybe this child isn't using words, but I can look and see, are they socially engaged? Are they wanting to connect with me? Are they looking towards me? Are they responding to their peers in the classroom? Mm -hmm. And, um, and that gives us an idea of the foundational language, uh, the foundation that they need to use mm-hmm. verbal language. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. That's so huge. That's so. <laughs> that's so helpful because um, I think for parents, if they are not noticing those signs and those precursors, then like you were saying during diaper changes and certain mm-hmm. things on a daily basis, then you need to, as a parent, provide those opportunities mm-hmm. to build those skills. Mm-hmm. Because maybe, you know, mom and dad, we're busy and we're doing work and home and all that. And, and as much as we'd like to engage with our child, you know, every second of the day, in our mind we are, but maybe it's not enough. Maybe we need to be doing more to provide these opportunities to build those precursor skills, or that's what's great about having your child in a program, it should be built in. It mm-hmm. should be built in where the teachers are constantly singing, uh, reading, providing those prompts mm-hmm. for your child to process and build those communication skills with teachers and peers and so if we have a lot of parents where if they're not exhibiting those precursors they're like all right let's let's get them into a program Mm -hmm. let's put them in so that um maybe it's a environmental Mm -hmm. issue that needs that can be solved very easily or once we have our child in that program if we're still not observing those precursor signs then we have a different issue that we need to address and that's a really good
1: point that you raised because i think there's no um, substitute for peer models so seeing other children mm-hmm, speaking mm-hmm. seeing other children wait their turn take turns socially engage uh, join the group during yeah. circle time and um, those are really helpful pieces to the communication puzzle and when it comes to parents one thing i do want to say is i think. It's hard to be all things Mm -hmm. in all ways. Mm -hmm. So many parents are working and they have other obligations and they have their children. And I think there's a lot of feeling – I hear a lot of parents feel like they wish that they could do more. They don't feel like they're enough. Or if there's a difficulty with their child, they must have done something wrong. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what I will say is it's very – uncommon that a parent has done something wrong and it's not their fault Mm -hmm. if their children aren't um, developing at the same rate as their peers. There's a lot of variability in how children develop Mm -hmm. and also it's not their fault if there's a problem, but what I will say is there's a lot they can do to help if their child does have any communication differences or a disorder. And it happens daily. De- and, the, and the reason we do it in routines is because mm-hmm. parents have a lot going on. You're probably not going to carve out mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like an hour of your day. Mm-hmm. You may not have the bandwidth to do that, but if you do know that you have to change diapers anyways yep. – and you make this one little switch in how you do it while you're changing diapers, and that you can make a huge difference on your child. Well, that's a
0: win-win. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and yeah, most most efficient. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's it.